This is the Chamber Chat Podcast, the show dedicated to chamber professionals to spark ideas and to get actionable tips and strategies to better serve your members and community. And now your host, he is grateful for the opportunity to speak to the Nebraska Chamber of Commerce executives about podcasting. He's my dad, Brandon Burton. Hello, Chamber Champions. Welcome to Chamber Chat Podcast. I'm happy to have you join us today for another episode in our 2021 ACCE Chamber of the Year finalist series. Chamber Chat Podcast is sponsored by Holman Brothers Membership Sales Solutions. Is your chamber struggling to drive the revenue it needs to support your initiatives? It's a common problem, and one that our new title sponsor, Holman Brothers Membership Sales Solutions, knows a lot about. Doug and Bill Holman aren't just sales consultants, they're real-life chamber guys with 20-plus years of chamber leadership experience. They know how to diagnose and solve member recruiting issues faster and better than anyone else, and they're ready to put that knowledge to work for you and your chamber. Call the Holman Brothers today at 619-852-1391 or check them out at holmanbros.com. That's H-O-L-M-A-N-B-R-O-S dot com. Our guest for this episode is Jim Page. Jim is representing the Chamber of Commerce of West Alabama as their president and CEO in this uh, Chamber of the Year finalist series. Jim has been the, uh, he is the president and CEO of the Chamber of Commerce of West Alabama, which is a 121-year-old Tuscaloosa-based business advocacy organization. Prior to his tenure in Tuscaloosa, Jim served nine years as vice president of public policy and business development for the Decatur Morgan County, Alabama Chamber of Commerce. As past chairman of the board of directors of the Chamber of Commerce Association of Alabama, Jim serves on the board of directors for the Business Council of Alabama and for ACCE, where he chairs the University Committees Council. A vocal advocate for early childhood education, Jim was appointed by Governor Robert Bentley and reappointed by Governor Kay Ivey to serve as on the board of directors for the Alabama Partnership for Children. Jim is a graduate of Leadership Morgan County, Leadership Tuscaloosa, Leadership Alabama, and the U.S. Chambers Institute for Organizational Management. He also earned the professional designations of Alabama Accredited Chamber Executive and Certified Chamber Executive. Jim now serves on the CCE Commission through ACCE and recently joined a national cohort of chamber executives to study post-COVID-19 pandemic resilience strategies as a member of the ACCE Fellowship for Economic Recovery. In 2009, Jim was recognized nationally uh, by ACCE as one of 40 under 40 rising stars in the chamber world. He received the 2015 Jamie Wallace Award in recognition of exceptional leadership, service, and dedication to the Chamber of Commerce Association of Alabama, and was named the 2016 recipient of the prestigious Thompson Seymour Leadership Award by the Business Council of Alabama. In 2018, Jim was honored by his peers as the Alabama Chamber Professional of the Year. Jim earned his bachelor's degree in political science and marketing from the University of North Alabama, where he was elected president of the Student Government Association. He serves on the board of directors of the University of North Alabama Foundation and is a member of the executive committee. 
In February 2020, Jim was appointed by Governor Kay Ivey to serve as a member of the University of North Alabama Board of Trustees. Jim and his wife, Sarah, are proud parents of two daughters, Eleanor and Emery, and are active members of First United Methodist Church, Tuscaloosa. Jim, I'm excited to have you with me today on Chamber Chat Podcast. I'd love for you to take a minute just to say hello to all the Chamber champions that are out there listening and share something interesting about yourself so we can all get to know you a little bit better. Well, I'd, I'd be happy to. First of all, thank you for the invitation. Uh, thank you for this podcast and what you do for our our industry. Uh, is uh, It does not go unnoticed. And in fact, it's very much appreciated. So thank you for that. Um, I... I don't know if I can say a whole lot of interesting things about me uh, other than my husband and father of uh, two young daughters. So that keeps life kind of interesting right now. But uh, I've been fortunate enough to be in the chamber industry for going on 20 years and real, real blessed. This is a, uh, this is a very unique profession, as you well know. And so it's been exciting to be a part of, of a lot of, a lot of great things, but when I'm not, um, not uh, doing my domestic duties, um, like a lot of people, I love love sports, uh, especially college athletics, college football. I, I live uh, about five minutes from the University of Alabama, so that's uh, that always keeps things entertaining from an athletic perspective. So you're a big Clemson fan, then, right? No, I'm just kidding. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, but uh, anyway, so I've, I've been here for the better part of ten years during uh, the peak of the Nick Saban era. So that's all. That's been something to watch and be a part of, but. Uh, um, anyway, just, just here. And again, I appreciate the invitation. Absolutely. It is my pleasure. Um, share with us a little bit about your chamber so we can gain some perspective as to where you're coming from as we get into our discussion today, maybe size, budget, staff, that sort of thing, just so we know a little bit more. So uh, it's the Chamber of Commerce of West Alabama. We are headquartered here in Tuscaloosa, which is in uh, kind of the, the west central part uh, of Alabama. We're a, just a little less than an hour due west from Birmingham. Uh, most people can can picture kind of where Birmingham is on a map. Um, the lion's share of our membership uh, and, and the business community is really in the Tuscaloosa County uh, metro area, but we do cover um, a nine-county uh, region here. It's a, a fairly rural uh, part uh, of Alabama, and so the lion's share of what we do outside of Tuscaloosa County is in the workforce development space, and I know we'll get into that uh, a little more as we as we move along with the podcast, but um, we were founded in 1900, so been around for pretty good time. Um, taken on a couple of different names over the years, like some chambers have. Uh, but in 1984, when the Tuscaloosa and the Northport Chambers of Commerce uh, merged, uh, they they merged under the new name of the Chamber of Commerce of West Alabama. And again, it was to have a broader, uh, more inclusive uh, coverage area in our part of the state. Uh, today, we have about 1,300 members, uh, which makes us the fourth largest chamber uh, in Alabama. Uh, we've got a, a staff of 15 um, and uh, do obviously the traditional uh, uh, chamber activities, but I'm always reminded of the old 
the old chamber adage that if you've seen one chamber, you've seen one chamber. That's right. <laughs> uh, so obviously we do a lot of the, the typical uh, chamber initiatives, but uh, we are involved in economic development, certainly heavily involved in workforce development. That's one of our calling cards. Um, you know, these leadership development programs, um, heavily involved in public policy. That's really my background and where I spend a lot of my time uh, in, in attention. And then, of course, all things uh, quality of life and community development. So it's uh, we've got a lot of moving parts, as most as most chambers do. And as I like to tell people, we're uh, we're the chamber, we're the community Swiss Army knife. Um, <laughs> we, can, we can be nimble and, and get involved in a lot of different things. So. Uh, that's our uh, that's our organization, and I'm proud of the work we do on a with a pretty lean staff and a lean budget of just a little over two million dollars. We this is the first year that our annual uh, operating budget has gone over the two million mark. I'm proud of that. When I started here in January of 2012, our operating budget was about eight hundred thousand a year. So wow, uh, really proud of the revenue growth we've had over the years. Um, uh, even even and being able to say that after the crazy year that 2020 was, uh, I'm even I'm even prouder to be able to say that. Absolutely. When you were saying this first time went over two million, like that is a quite the year to do that. That's impressive. Yeah. So great job. Shows your relevancy. Um, so I'm excited to get into our discussion today as we have a, have you on as a Chamber of the Year finalist. Um, I always look forward to the opportunity to chat with the Chamber of the Year finalists because you guys are always kind of on the, the cutting edge or the, the leadership, if you will, that example in the Chamber world of things that you're doing. And, and I know we'll, we'll touch on some of those uh, programs that were submitted on your application for Chamber of the Year, um, specifically revolving around your guys' COVID response as well as some uh, some workforce um, development and and things of that nature. So we'll get into that discussion as soon as we get back from this quick break. Are you looking for a year-round affordable and timely shop local campaign for your chamber or CVB? Look no further. Build a custom Eat Shop Play mobile app with App My Community by visiting appmycommunity.com slash chamberchat. App My Community mobile apps are not just simple membership directory listings. They provide many more capabilities to engage with your community. Provide your residents with a robust events calendar. Partner with a local fair, festival, or farmer's market to provide a schedule, map, and other resources to promote the event. Run a small business Saturday campaign any time of the year using built-in scavenger hunts. Allow your membership to communicate directly to their customers via push notifications. Your App My Community mobile app will be a unique member benefit, allow you to generate non-dues revenue with sponsorship opportunities, and best of all, provide a valuable resource to your community. Please visit appmycommunity.com slash chamberchat now to receive 10% off your first year of an App My Community mobile app. All right, Jim, we are back. Um, I'd like to, to get into these programs that you submitted on your Chamber of the Year application. Um, first of all, um, maybe let's, uh, let's go down the course of your, the COVID response that you guys had. So maybe a little background for you. Last year, as I did the Chamber of the Year finalist interviews, I asked all of the finalists a, a question related to how their 
what what's their plan to help lead the business community through the the COVID recovery? And um, got some some varying answers, some some similarities, but now we're we're a year past that. We're coming through, hopefully, most people through the other side. And so being able to see, you know, these things that were implemented in response to the COVID pandemic, um, I'm excited to, to hear what you guys did specifically there in West Alabama. Sure. Um, you know, of being in this business 20 years and being involved in a lot of really big initiatives and, you know, quote, game changing um, opportunities for, for the two communities that I have served in in the chamber profession. I can easily say that I, I've never been as proud to be a part of anything as I have been our COVID response here at this chamber. Uh, as terrible as 2020 was, um, it was a great year for our organization um, because uh, we really showed, I think, um, what how a nimble, um, forward-thinking, um, innovative uh, chamber can look like. And, and even for our most loyal of members, I think we really reminded them of the value of the organization and just the number of people we helped, uh, the number of businesses that I think we helped save uh, is something that uh, I will forever be um, extremely proud of. And and I, I may not have another, uh, another uh, anything in my career that I'm as proud of as I, as I was this. But I, you know, a lot of what we did that was COVID response related, um, I know a lot of other chambers did similar things, et cetera. And I'm, I'm really proud of my friends and colleagues across the country in the profession, because I think we all stepped up to the plate and we all represented the chamber industry um, as well as we ever have before. And we showed our relevance, maybe better in, uh, in a more profound way than we ever have before. What I'm really proud of our organization it is the speed in which we did things. Um, yeah, we've got a timeline in our uh, that we submitted for our Chamber of the Year application where we outlined all of the major milestones throughout our COVID response. And it started in mid-March. I mean, just as, of course, we'd all been following COVID internationally. Mm-hmm. Um, but it really hit the states and it really hit our local community um, in a personal way in mid-March. And we immediately uh, jumped into action. And we did a variety of things, again, that a lot of other chambers did. But I, I do feel like we were pretty proactive and pretty pretty fast in our response. Um, we knew that there were going to be some, some of the most vulnerable small businesses, particularly in the retail and in the service industry that once they were forced to close because of government action, um, that every day that went by was one day um, closer to them probably closing their doors for good. This was before economic economic injury disaster loans were really available from SBA. This was weeks before the Paycheck Protection Program was even passed by Congress. We knew that there there was going to be for some gap funding. Uh, and so uh, we launched a small business relief fund uh, before the end of March, in which we raised private capital from banks and some other uh, businesses in our community uh, and actually had money in the hands of small businesses before the end of March. Um, and I was really, really proud of that. 
Um, we then, not long after that, the city of Tuscaloosa, which is our largest metro in our in our chamber coverage area, they were thinking about doing a similar program. But the mayor came to me and said, um, there's no sense in us reinventing the wheel. What you're doing is working. Um, we just want to entrust you with the money. And so they invested a million dollars uh, into our small business relief fund, which allowed us to help even more businesses. Uh, and so literally before the Paycheck Protection Program was able to um, save a lot of small businesses, we already had money. Um, and, and it was grants, too. It was not loans. These were grant dollars that were not to be paid back. Um, and it wasn't going to be the end all be all for a business. But it did bridge that gap until they could find bigger pots of money. So I'm extremely proud of that small business relief fund. Um, we invested uh, one and a quarter million dollars into local businesses. We helped over 300 of the most vulnerable small businesses. Um, and uh, again, it was just it was the life best, uh, the life raft, so to speak, that they needed um, to be saved. Uh, we also, as most chambers did, we became a trusted um, a source of information for our community. Uh, and we held our first um, community-wide uh, intelligence briefing, for lack of a better term, um, in mid-March with our elected officials, our hospital administrators. Um, and we had larger metro chambers, including our state chamber, the Business Council of Alabama, um, that were asking if they could participate in our programs. Um, because nobody was really doing that yet. And we started off doing it the old fashioned way. We had some conference calls with them. We had our Department of Labor, um, which is headed by a former chamber chair of ours. So we kind of had the inside track on that. Um, but talking about how uh, how people could could apply for unemployment benefits, et cetera. We were doing those by mid-March. Um, and when it was all said and done, we did over 70 programs between conference calls and then like everybody else, we joined the Zoom world, um, but we had thousands of participants and it was not just chamber members, it was people outside the chamber and really throughout the state. And even for some of them, we had participation from around the country um, on some of those things that applied generally like PPP, et cetera. So I was really proud of, of those programs. Of course, all of that was available on our website, on our website to this day. Um, just because there's a lot of good historic information that people can still tap into. Um, we uh, were approached by the state of Alabama to host a statewide PPE database uh, for communities and for chambers to be able to know what vendors in the state of Alabama. This was during the, the, the height of the pandemic when PPE um, was hard to come by. Um, and so there were a lot. We tried to keep those dollars in state the best we could. Uh, and so we hosted that on behalf of the state of Alabama. Uh, we realized that once people started opening, businesses started opening back up, but schools were still on lockdown, that childcare was a major issue for employers. And so we created a regional childcare database um, that, um, that helped parents and it helped employers um, find high quality uh, childcare, an issue a lot of them had not had to worry about before. Um, we, we did commercials and PSAs early in the, the COVID, um, process, um, trying to keep spirits up. I, I know that kind of sounds a little hokey and cheesy, but we felt like that was a really important role that nobody else was filling. 
And so we did some really dynamic commercials, all of which, again, are, are on our website that I'm really proud of, um, that just helped the community rally around each other. Um, and so, you know, I could go on and on on the little small specific things, but I'm really proud of our effort. It was very comprehensive, uh, but it was proactive. Um, and I think the greatest compliment that we could ever have um, is that having other chambers emulate what we were doing. And as part of our uh, application for Chamber of the Year, we've got an excerpt from one of our magazines that we did last year where we've got just uh, probably a couple of dozen um, testimonials and quotes from chamber peers around the country who emailed me and emailed our staff asking to R&D, rip off yeah. and duplicate, yeah. um, our small business relief fund, our reopening guides. We, we did a reopening guide of how to reopen safely uh, that was really emulated uh, across the country. We counted chambers and local governments from more than 25 states um, copied our reopening guide. And we were happy to share that information because that's that's the great thing about the chamber industry. We help each other. Um, but that's probably, um, I guess, the good housekeeping seal of approval that I got that what we were doing was was working is that so many of our good friends and peers uh, around the country from the chamber profession were were taking pieces of what we what we did uh, and, and making it their own. And uh, I'll forever be proud of that. That is a huge compliment. And, uh, and for anybody listening, I mean, oftentimes you don't need to be the creator. You don't need to be the innovator. I mean, it, it's nice when you are and you've got that idea and the data-driven feedback and everything. But if you've got a need and rather than taking the weeks to develop something, reach out to someone like Jim and see, see what's worked for them. And if there's something that you can R&D and, and implement at your chamber. So that's a... Uh, one of the things I try to, you know, one of my goals with this podcast is to try to, you know, introduce people to introduce chamber people to ideas that they can implement at their chamber. So that's uh, at the heart what it's all and, about. And, you know, unlike, unlike a lot of chamber initiatives where you take time to do market research and collect data and build consensus and all that, with COVID, there was no time to do any of that. Uh, we had to be very entrepreneurial in our thinking, and we just had to um, almost ready, fire, aim <laughs> was yeah. kind of our approach um, because, every you know, the clock was ticking. And we said, you know, some of the stuff we do may not work, but we've got to work aggressively anyway. But um, I'm still proud that it did work and that it was good enough where other chambers could could model after it. I'm just impressed that you can make it through this last year with the, as little sleep as I'm sure you had and uh, still able to be productive. So yeah, no doubt. It was a, it was an interesting year. I learned a lot, proud of it, but I hope we never experience it again. That's right. <laughs> Hopefully it is once in a lifetime. Yeah, no doubt. Uh, well, let's, uh, let's switch gears a little bit and uh, transition over into your, your workforce program with the career pathways. Sure. So, in 2014, uh, our chamber um, was asked, pushed, arm twisted, you, 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 <laughs> to become the fiscal and managing agent for our regional workforce development council, which is part of the state. And I resisted 
In fact, I said no several times because I knew workforce development, um, as important as it is, um, you're, when you're dealing with that issue, it can be political, it can be, you know, wrought with bureaucracy when you're dealing with government agencies. And I just felt like it was maybe a little more than we could chew. But um, several of our largest employers and largest investors said, no, the chamber is the right entity to lead this. So I uh, didn't have much choice at that standpoint. <laughs> so in 2014, we took over um, our regional workforce council, which again is nine counties in West Alabama. And we, we created the moniker works. Um, that's, that's what we go under, um, but it is completely housed in the chamber. It's run by chamber staff. Um, and so it's very much um, married and married to the chamber. So we started in 2014 and really we were building the airplane as we flew it for a long time. Fast forward uh, seven years to, to now. Um, and I'm very proud to say that we have the premier regional workforce development program in Alabama. And we've been recognized numerous ways as such. And then our group has gotten a lot of national recognition. We've participated in a lot of ACCE programs, U.S. Chamber programs, private foundations, ACT, other groups have recognized our team's work. And it's easy for me to brag on the work because I have very little to do with it. <laughs> I have a, we have a great team led by our chief operating officer, Donnie Jones, um, who is one of the best in the industry when it comes to workforce development. So it's easy for me to brag on them uh, from afar. Um, and what, what I'm so proud of them is because they're extremely innovative. Um, they are progressive uh, and, and, again, proactive in what they've done. And so we've got a lot of programs uh, that have, have been really unique um, to workforce development. And we really have a business and industry-driven approach. I know that sounds kind of like a duh statement to, a, <laughs> to my chamber friends and peers listening. But in a lot of communities, I know in Alabama and around the country, You've had maybe your community college system or you've had service providers or others who have really been driving the boat in workforce development and business and industry sometimes um, aren't as involved and as engaged as they should be. Ours since day one has been business and industry driven. Our uh, steering committee for West Alabama Works is, per is comprised of plant managers, CEOs, top level decision makers from our largest employers in the community. They're the ones who are signing the paychecks. They're the ultimate customer. And so they're, so everything we do is driven by that approach. And that is, that is fairly unique and different is as crazy as that sounds. Um, but everything we do is really about career pathways and building a pipeline of skilled uh, employment from entry level, level blue collar jobs to, you know, top notch white collar you know, engineering and, 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 uh, and different, different types of, of positions and everything in between. And, uh, and we work from literally from pre-K to, you know, the end of the life cycle in terms of employment, we, we've got a broad scope of work, but, and so I could spend, I'm going into that. I, I won't. I will spare everybody the details on that. But what we wrote about for our Chamber of the Year application was how COVID, like everything else, kind of stopped everybody in their tracks momentarily, and said we can't do in-person career 
career awareness events for students. We can't do in-person hiring events for um, our industry clusters. Uh, we can't do in-person, um, our in-person educator workforce academy, which I'm a huge fan of that we, we started here. Um, but we're not going to stop them. And so we pivoted. We went virtual with, with all of that. We still had our worlds of work. We call it WOW. Uh, which is our career aware, career awareness fair for every eighth grader in an eight, in a nine county region. Um, it's a career fair on steroids. It's very hands on, et cetera. We just did it virtually. Uh, we created a gaming platform where students can go on a website and they feel like they're playing a video game, but it's career awareness and it's exposing children and students to think it's telling them what they don't know what they don't know. And so it's exposing them to career opportunities right here in our region. We have an educator workforce Academy where we're training or we're educating the educators. So we've got teachers and principals and school counselors and superintendents um, who maybe went to college. They did go to college to be an educator immediately went into teaching. They've never been exposed to the workforce outside of the education profession. We're pulling back the curtain and showing them the opportunities that are available so that they can, they're the front lines of dealing with our students. It's been a game-changing program. It's changed the dynamics of teaching in our region, literally. And I know that's a profound statement, um, but we didn't let COVID stop that. Um, we introduced uh, virtual reality programming uh, for students and for educators. And so that's what we wrote about in our application is that we already had a pretty innovative, dynamic, uh, comprehensive workforce development program that could have easily, easily just been put on pause for a year. Uh, and we didn't allow that to happen. Our team just kept going and, and innovated. And, and I'm, I'm really proud of that. So the question that I had is you had mentioned in a normal year, a normal time, you, you would do like an in-person kind of career fair to educate these, these students on opportunities. So when that, when that switches to virtual, um, how'd you go about getting enrollment for that to get these students on the virtual platform? Uh, was it through the schools? Is it something mandatory? Was it, it sounded like it was gamified a little bit. Um, yeah, we, you know, fortunately, we've got an exceptional working relationship with our uh, K systems, and we and we deal with several school systems, obviously, that are in our geographic footprint. Um, that relationship probably hasn't always been that way, but I think over the past seven years, um, as trust has been developed, um, this isn't the business community coming and wagging their finger at at school. At, at school officials saying, this is what you need to be doing. We've really, really formed partnerships, genuine partnerships that's, that are mutually beneficial. And so I think that trust enabled us in a year like COVID, where educators are bought in to what we're trying to do. Um, it allowed us transitioning temporarily to a virtual platform. It allowed that to happen. It's not ideal. Nothing beats in person. Nothing beats being able to touch and feel and you know our wow event for example when i talk about it's a career awareness fair on steroids i mean our local hospital we we, we take over our local community college campus for three days wow. and our local hospital literally sets up a mock uh, a mock hospital and students are allowed to birth a baby 
simulated <laughs> baby, draw blood, um, do arthroscopic surgery. I mean, it's it's literally hands-on, touching, feeling, seeing, doing with nurses and with doctors and with everyday practitioners. And, and so it's somebody, some kid that may have never thought about medicine before or the healthcare field gets inspired by that. So again, nothing beats that in-person um, atmosphere, but we still were able to, doing it virtually was better than not doing it at all. Yeah. Um, so I guess that was kind of the, the highlight of it, but we are very anxious uh, for this October when we return to uh, to an in-person event. And uh, we have over 6,000 eighth graders that go through this every single year. Wow. <laughs> That's amazing. I, I would love to see that, you know, the, the mock hospital set up. And yeah, I mean, it, it sounds like a, a great. It's, it's, it's terrific. And uh, I know before we, we end today, I can give some contact information or for more information, see. And so we, I, I encourage people to go to the website and, and to see a lot of this. because We do have a lot of good footage on it. Yeah, absolutely. So while I have you on the podcast and being that you are a Chamber of the Year finalist, um, that means you guys are doing some special things there. <laughs> you guys are uh, one, of, one of the best chambers out there. So I, I would like to get from your perspective, um, and it may not even be something that was on your application necessarily for Chamber of the Year, but what do you feel makes the West Alabama Chamber stand out and uh, maybe something that you guys do that other chambers might not do? Yeah, yeah that's a good that's a good question. And I, you know, I, I don't want to sound um, braggadocious about anything, because, again, every every amount of success we've had is because of the team here. We've got an incredible staff that are dedicated, loyal. We have great volunteers, great uh, just a great loyal membership. And so all credit goes to them for everything we've accomplished to this point. I think what sets us apart um, is that we're always innovating. It's very easy to do things the way we've always done them. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, but, but like our team here knows that that's a taboo statement that you can't, why did we do so-and-so this way? Well, that's why we've always done it. You can't say that in our building. Yeah, so that is good. that is not allowed. Um, chambers, just like every profession out there, um, has got to be innovative, constantly has to be looking forward and around the next corner uh, in order to stay relevant. You know, businesses and organizations and uh, people don't have to be a member of the local chamber. They just don't have to be. But you have to bring you have to bring a level of relevance and um, processes and programs and a value proposition that makes it to where they can't afford not to be a member of the chamber. Um, But that's an intentional process and it's always evolving. What made you invaluable last year may or may not make you invaluable this year. And certainly not next year and five years from now. As generational interest change and just technology changes and market forces change, chambers have to evolve too. And, you know, that's one thing I've really learned through ACCE, um, through their Horizon Initiative and through 
learning, you know, from my peers in the industry is the most successful chambers are the ones that never rest on their laurels. They may win chamber of the year today, but tomorrow they're continuing to reinvent themselves because that's the only way they're going to stay relevant going forward. And, um, and the fact that our chamber, that's in our culture and that's in our DNA now is to always be innovating. I think that's what I think that's what makes us successful. Yeah, I think that's a a good, good piece of advice. I, that was my next question that I was going to ask you for a piece of a piece of advice or a tip that a chamber champion listening could do to help elevate their organization up to the next level. Um, that's a great question. And it, and it, it kind of segues from the always be innovating. Um, and you said this earlier, and I know you teach this uh, on your podcast, just to is to always be open. Um, is as an individual, as a chamber executive who's made this my career path, um, I'm very intentional about professional development. Um, I'm always trying to learn whether it's through listening to podcasts like this or participating in. Um, programming at the ACCE level or our state association level. Um, I always want to stay on top of what's the latest and greatest. Um, as a chamber professional and as a chamber leader, but also for our community. Um, one of the best things I've ever done as a chamber leader for my community is community benchmarking trips. We started those a few years ago. And I'm, that's a those have been taking place in the chamber profession for decades. Uh, we were really kind of late to the party when it comes to doing benchmarking trips. So I'll, I'll be admit, I'll admit that. But ours have been wildly successful. The last one we did to Chattanooga, Tennessee, we took 128 people, which is wow. pretty significant. Yeah, it is. Elected officials, business leaders, educators, arts community, you name it. Very diverse in every sense of the word. But it's the chamber leading that to give our community leaders perspective. And I think perspective and learning from other communities that may be doing things in an innovative way and in a proactive way is not only going to let our chamber continue to be innovative, it's going to allow our community leaders, our partners, the folks we work with every day from the school system and the United Way and tourism and et cetera, et cetera, it's helping them be more innovative. And I think that's a role that chambers can play that they may not realize they can and should play. Um, and so that's my advice. I know I've belabored that point probably, but my advice is as a chamber leader, always be learning and innovating and encourage your team and empower your team to always be learning and innovating, but be the change agent that makes your community always be learning and innovating. Um, that's easier said than done. I get that. Um, but I do think it's a role the chamber can and should play. Um, that can be a real difference maker for everybody. So you've mentioned a couple times now, the importance of innovating, um, as we look to the future of chambers, how do you see their purpose and kind of where they fit in going forward in the future? You know, one thing, again, as terrible as 2020 was, you know, and as terrible as the pandemic has been, you know, in a variety of ways um, for our country, I do think it's been a great opportunity for the chamber industry to remind um, people, to remind longtime members of the value and the relevance of the chamber. It's also exposed relevance and our value proposition to new audiences. 
to people that would never consider being engaged with the chamber before, to elected officials who can often take us for granted. Mm-hmm. Um, I think so. I say all that coming out of COVID, coming out of 2020, I think there's a renewed opportunity for chambers to lead. And I, so I have never felt more confident and more optimistic about our role going forward in our respective communities and just as a whole, as, a, as an industry. I think chambers are seen as um, first responders for the business community and for the local economy in terms of crisis, um, which COVID affected everybody. You know, our community has went through a devastating tornado 10 years ago that the chamber played a real significant role in recovery. So we would somewhat kind of had a, we were used to that. A lot of communities haven't been through something like that, but COVID put them in that position. And so the community's first responder for the local economy uh, as being change agents, as being thought leaders about how to do things differently. I think that role that the chamber has always played, but maybe it got a little stale. Maybe it got overlooked. Maybe it got taken for granted. I think post COVID the chambers and the role chambers can play for a community um, is renewed. Um, I think we have, we have a larger audience. We have more stakeholders than ever before. Uh, And so what chambers at the local level, how they choose to leverage that influence um, is going to be interesting to watch. And I think the most successful chambers going forward will be the ones that seize on this opportunity that the pandemic presented to them. Absolutely. I see a lot of chambers that have uh, initiated programs because of COVID that uh, they had to as a response for their community, but they end up being programs that they're going to adopt going forward in the future because it was relevant and it's something needed. They have that larger audience now. They've connected with them and they're obligated to continue serving them. Absolutely. You know, I said early in the podcast that I've always viewed kind of jokingly that the chamber is the community Swiss army knife. Mm -hmm. It can do a little bit of everything. And in a pinch or in crunch time, if you didn't have anything but a Swiss army knife, (laughs) you could probably get out of a situation. And so. Ask MacGyver. Yeah. Ask MacGyver. (laughs) And so I think communities, I think stakeholder groups, the public around, they're reminded now um, of the important and diverse and nimble roles uh, that the chamber can play. Uh, That's an important opportunity, but it, we have, it's incumbent upon chamber leaders to seize upon that opportunity um, because memories are very short. Very <laughs> true. We don't, we don't seize upon it now. Um, people will get back to normal and they may forget all the good work that chambers have done. And we can't let them forget the work we've done. Absolutely. Well, Jim, now's the time that I'll, uh, I'll have you put out some contact information for the listeners who might want to connect with you and learn about how you're doing things there in, in West Alabama. Uh, what would be the best way for them to reach out and connect with you? Sure. So our, you know, our website is westalabamachamber.com. Uh, has all the traditional information about our organization, including a lot of the information I referenced related to uh, COVID response. Uh, and then West Alabama Works, which is our West, which is our workforce development arm. Uh, you can go to westalabamaworks.com. There's great videos. There's great information 
on there that shows kind of the comprehensive approach we have and the innovative approach we have to to workforce development. Uh, obviously, my contact information is on our website, but uh, my email address is easy. It's jim at westalabamachamber.com. Um, I would be happy to answer questions or provide information um, to anyone who's interested in getting more information on what we've done. Um, because, uh, again, I'm proud of the work we've done here. And and uh, the best part about the chamber profession is being able to share that because I promise you, um, uh, I, I R&D from my peers across the country all the time. A lot of times people I'll tell people, if you've still for me, you've probably stolen twice. That's right. <laughs> You can give credit the first couple of times, but then it's yours. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's exactly right. <laughs> yeah. Well, Jim, I appreciate you spending time with me today here on Chamber Chat Podcast. Um, great discussion. And and you guys are doing some great things there in West Alabama. And I wish you guys the best of luck as a Chamber of the Year finalist and uh, look forward to to seeing the results and, and staying in contact with you. Well, thank you for this opportunity. It's been an honor and privilege to be with you today. And it's an honor and a privilege just to be a finalist for Chamber of the Year because uh, I know our peers and folks that we're competing with um, are top notch and I'm, I'm proud of them as well. I'm just, I'm proud to be a part of this industry because it's a special one. If you are a chamber professional, please subscribe to Chamber Chat Podcast in Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or Spotify. When you subscribe to Chamber Chat Podcast, new episodes will show up in your podcast app each week as they are released. If you're finding value in this podcast, please leave us a rating and a review in iTunes. But most importantly, please share Chamber Chat Podcast with your colleagues that are in the industry. Would you be interested in creating even more value from the processes that you're already doing on a daily basis? Swipe It has been one of my sponsors for Chamber Chat from the beginning. Swipe It provides credit card payment solutions that will save your chamber up to 40% on your processing fees, and Swipe It can integrate your credit card processing seamlessly into your existing membership software. Swipe It does not charge chambers to switch, and they will make switching simple. In addition to these savings, Swipe It has an affinity program for Chambers of Commerce so you can earn more non-dues revenue to support your budget. Learn more about Swipe It by requesting your free cost savings analysis and become more profitable today by visiting chamberchatpodcast.com slash cc as in credit card. Again, that's chamberchatpodcast.com slash cc and you can join many other chambers as you begin swiping with swipe it <laughs>